All right, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday night as I am recording this, uh, following an excellent weekend. This was this was a pretty good weekend for sports. This was a pretty good weekend for the NFL, for the Denver Broncos, who are 3-0 and this week. Congratulations to them. Doing some great stuff with Teddy Bridgewater. Defense put up a zero. That's really good. You like to see that from this group, Bob. It's going to get a lot harder from here, but that's enough Broncos talk for now. This is a Nuggets podcast. Uh, today, we are going to cover two topics. One of the topics is going to be about something that's been floating around Twitter for the course of the weekend and that I feel like I've had to play defense on for a number of days. Uh, that's Ben Simmons. The next will be about training camp and about the Nuggets tomorrow and what we're what we're sort of expecting to hear from the final group. Five players have yet to speak. Tim Connolly has yet to speak. Michael Malone has yet to speak. So I'm going to say some few words about those particular meetings and what we expect to hear. But here's what's going to go down. I'm going to rant about Ben Simmons a little bit. There's been a lot of Ben Simmons talk about on the timeline. It started... And it's been going along, and this situation with the Sixers has been dragging out into hell, and they're in a really tough situation. By the time you listen to this podcast on Monday, perhaps they've already started their media day proceedings, and Ben Simmons isn't going to be there, or at least that's what he has said already. Whether he reports to camp or not remains to be seen. I don't think that he would. I don't expect him to, nor does anybody else there. So there's been a lot of people that have been trying to connect various dots, and a lot of those dots have connected to other teams, and the Minnesota Timberwolves have been connected, the Toronto Raptors have been connected. Those teams don't want to give up a whole bunch of stuff for Ben Simmons. They see the situation that Philadelphia has put themselves in, trying to hold out for a star, realizing those stars aren't going to be coming anytime soon, and players like Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, and they now want to hold out for the best possible package that they can from these other teams. They've now opened up that door in all likelihood. I don't think anybody is kidding themselves in thinking that Ben Simmons is going to to the Portland Trailblazers for Damian Lillard or to the Wizards for Bradley Beal. Like That's just not going to happen before the season. So this situation is probably going to happen during the season unless the Sixers trade him earlier. And if they do trade him earlier, they're going to have to settle for a lesser package. With the possi- And there's also a possibility that if they hold on to him, they aren't going to get those star players. Those guys. Like, if the Blazers, if they start out in a good spot, if the Wizards start out in a good spot, and those guys feel very connected and, and confident in the directions of the team, they're not going to want to get traded. They're going to want to stay where they are. So, lots of people have been trying to come up with alternate solutions, and some of those solutions have led to some rumors that have popped up around the timeline, and I think some of those rumors are fake. And whether it's these particular folks who have drummed up some of these rumors, uh, Sam Amico of HoopsWire.com, he said that he believed the Nuggets are a sleeper option for a Simmons trade. Dan Clark, an MLB blogger, Major League Baseball, 
blogger based in Melbourne, Australia, said over the weekend that uh, a friend told him that Simmons was set to be traded to the Nuggets this upcoming week. That's this week, by the way. He said he doesn't know anything about the NBA, but his friend told him, so a lot of people ran with it. There's a lot of people on Nuggets Twitter that have DM'd me, that have tried to connect the dots on where Ben Simmons is flying. I've had pictures DM'd to me by Philadelphia accounts that have a mountain in the background of an airport, and they're asking me if that's DIA, and I tell them no, because the mountains aren't close to DIA. They're in the plains, or the the flat surface plains, not airplanes. That's where DIA is, if you've been to Denver before. So I don't know where these rumors have come from. I really don't. I think that there's been a lot, like, the Nuggets are kind of that team where they're not at the level of prestige that now a Milwaukee or a Brooklyn or a Lakers comes in, and people can't just throw their names around. They can't throw those teams' names around with those deals because it's not believable. But if you're shooting for actual content and you're trying to stir up some rumors and you're trying to connect some dots, then you say, okay, hey, what about the Nuggets? What about a team like this that might have a need for a player like Ben Simmons that has the pieces to go get Ben Simmons if they part with a better player than Ben Simmons? But don't, don't worry about that. Don't worry about the logistics of the deal because people aren't. So, first of all, take these sources with a grain of salt. If it hasn't been the big names, the Woges, the Shams, uh, the Chris Haynes, uh, now Jake Fisher, who's doing some great work for Bleacher Report, shout out to him. uh, Trust the big names. They are saying that there's been no movement on the Simmons front, that the Sixers haven't been able to find a suitable deal for him. And I don't see why anybody else would beat them to the punch on this sort of thing. Maybe a Philly beat writer like Keith Pompey, who I've met before, maybe he'd be getting some sources on it, but he hasn't mentioned the Nuggets at all, nor has anybody connected to Philly. So trust the big names, trust the big names for the Nuggets. But let's say the Nuggets are interested in Simmons. I wrote about him. I wrote about maybe the Nuggets are interested because they were not agreeing to the Aaron Gordon extension. The Michael Porter extension still isn't agreed to. Once those two things were done, both of those players would be untradeable based off of the rules of the NBA and just general contract CBA stuff. Simmons, if you pair him with somebody like Murray, somebody like Jokic, has some really good strengths that are uniquely suited for a team like Denver, where he can switch up and down the lineup, where he can make life easy for Jokic and for Murray on the defensive end, just as equally. That would be interesting. He also fits better with Jokic than he does Embiid, because Jokic will pass and he will take advantage of those double teams when Simmons is kind of crowding the lane a little bit and his defender rotates over. Embiid can't do that as well as Jokic can. That's the main distinguishing factor between those two. If the contract situations didn't exist, There is some merit to trading Simmons and MPJ straight up. The Nuggets, they're a great offensive team, trying to figure out how to become a championship-caliber defensive team. 
Can they do that with Jokic, Murray, and MPJ out there? It's a fair question. I think that what we've seen from the NBA of late is that you don't necessarily have to do that to become a championship team. You could become a championship caliber offense and just become good enough on the defensive end. I believe that fully. And so I would not consider a Simmons deal. There are offensive concerns, of course, but Jokic is the best offensive player in the NBA. He'd likely figure something out in that case. So I think it's at least defensible if you're talking about a one-for-one swap. The problem is, is that contracts exist. Contract extensions exist. And there are situations with both of these teams that make this impossible. Ben Simmons makes $33 million in the 2021-22 season. That's a lot of money. You say a max contract guy. And I think he made the All-NBA third team, if I'm not mistaken. Or well, th- there is some distinction that changes his contract away from Jamal Murray's. They don't make the same amount of money. So, the Nuggets in order to meet CBA requirements, would need to trade at least 83%, 83.3%, five out of six of the $33 million, and that gets to about $27.5 million in order to take back $33 million, which would be 120% of that. But the problem, and people don't seem to really appreciate this, is that they can't trade the following players. Aaron Gordon. He just signed a contract extension. He'd be the natural trade piece to go in a Ben Simmons deal for Denver. If they didn't want to, like if they wanted to straight up upgrade, I think Ben Simmons is an upgrade over Aaron Gordon. Despite the fact that Aaron Gordon is tailor-made to this role with him in Denver, I think Ben Simmons, if he accepted a similar role, might be even better of a fit. So, because Aaron Gordon signed his deal, He's off the market. He can't be traded until six months after the contract extension, I believe. So, the Simmons to Denver rumors should have stopped the moment Gordon signed his extension. On top of that, other matching contracts, like Will Barton, he signed a new contract. He can't be traded until January 15th because of bird rights. Jamichael Green, Jeff Green. They both signed contracts. Can't tra- can't be traded till December 15th. I just don't really see where all of this is coming from. Because they're not going to trade the following players either. Nikola Jokic, who's an MVP winner, and wouldn't uh, obviously wouldn't fit with Joel Embiid. I mean, the Sixers would figure that out because those two would be dominant together. But the Nuggets aren't doing that. Why would they? They're also not trading Jamal Murray, who, according to Matt Moore from Sunday afternoon, he contacted somebody close to the Nuggets and that person said, I can't tell if it's more insulting to Jamal or to us, the Nuggets, to think about trading Murray. Because let's be real, if you were doing this a year ago, like even even after the bubble, you could probably sell yourself on Jamal Murray for Ben Simmons. You could say, hey, look, if Michael Porter develops to the player that he is, and Ben Simmons, a year ago, we hadn't seen his struggles in the playoffs to this degree, 
He's already a generational defensive talent. If he just works on the jump shot, if he tries to blend that a little bit and, and works hard on figuring some stuff out off the dribble, then he'd be a good fit for a team with Porter and Jokic. But the problem is that, and everybody knows I'm partial to Murray, but like, even though he's injured and has his own faults, he is still more of a sure thing as a legit star than Simmons is right now. There's no reason to think that Murray can't make a full recovery after his ACL tear, after he's recovering. He's five months out. He might even be back by the end of this year. Simmons may never, ever become a jump shooter. He may, he may never become an improved free throw shooter. If those two things never happen, then he's always going to be on the fringe all-star conversation where he provides the value of one of those players, but he makes things absolutely more difficult than a player like Murray, who's kind of a traditional playmaking guard star, ever would. Murray's more flexible. He's more versatile even though Simmons is the most defensive, defensively versatile player in the NBA. Murray can do more things, and you can build a championship team around him and around Jokic. He's also shown that he's been willing to take 10 shots or 25 shots. And his ability to kind of cycle between those two things gives me the confidence that if the three players that Denver has as their stars currently, Jokic, Murray, and Porter, if they reach their ceiling at the same time, there's no reason to think that Murray couldn't be okay with being a third option on occasion who can still drop 40. That's the thing. So that leaves the following tradable contracts for Denver. That if they don't trade Jokic and Murray, and if they don't trade Aaron Gordon, Will Barton, Jamichael Green, or Jeff Green, all the players that they just signed, the next five highest, largest contracts in terms of guaranteed money, on the books money that they would be able to give up. Even if they traded all five of these guys, Monte Morris at $8.8 million, Michael Porter at $5.3 million, Faku Campazzo at $3.8 million, Zeke Naji, $2.5 million, Bull Bull, $2.2 million. Even if they traded all of those guys, they would combine to about $22.6 million, which is well short of the $27.5 that they would need to trade just to get to Simmons. The Sixers aren't doing a five-for-one trade. They can't, not legally, not without cutting a bunch of players. The Nuggets? They're not going to trade those five guys for Simmons anyway. Because it's not just Michael Porter for Simmons at that point. It's Michael Porter, Monte Morris, who's the replacement point guard, Faku Campazzo, who's the third point guard, and then Zeke Naji and Bol Bol as sweeteners. So could you convince me that if the Sixers threw in four first-round picks, that the Nuggets would part with those five in order to get Simmons? Yeah, probably, but it doesn't matter because it's not financially legal. That's it. It's a waste of time to even think about Ben Simmons right now, unless you believe the Nuggets would part with Jamal Murray. And I don't. Things are often about so much more than just basketball, especially with these large trades like this. 
how many of these star players have we seen move around to different teams? Move because of the situations that they're in. Not just basketball-wise, but the management, the coach, the other players. Simmons has questions about his mentality, his willingness to do the hard things, his ability to kind of blend with other personalities, let alone players. There are no such questions about Murray like that. Murray has shown time and time again that he's willing to do whatever it takes to win. And he believes in himself. He believes that he is one of those stars and has proven it on the biggest stage. And the Nuggets shouldn't just throw that away just because Simmons is healthy right now. There's no reason to do it. Just be patient. You have your core. If you believe in your core, like you believe when you extended Aaron Gordon, if you believe in this group, then you'll want to see this through. End of conversation. That is it. That's all there is to this. Simmons is not going to be a Denver Nugget. And anybody who thinks that, just listen back to these last 15 minutes or so. Because it's absurd, in my opinion, that people are trying to drum up these scenarios. So it's not going to happen. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk more about the rest of Media Day that's coming down on this Monday and what to expect in training camp. We'll be right back. Hi, we're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you could leave a rating, that would be awesome. Uh, we, we've grown this podcast as much as we have, and I'd love to keep it keep just keep going as much as possible. Really helps us out. Really helps me out. So everybody, thank you so much. We haven't heard from five players on the Nuggets, as well as Michael Malone, the head coach, and Tim Connolly, the president of basketball operations. Those are usually the conversations that people are are really excited to hear. And I'm definitely really excited to hear what Michael Malone and Tim Connolly have to say this year. But it's also been notified that it's possible Jamal Murray might be speaking uh, during media day tomorrow. We don't know if it's actually going to happen until it does. Uh, but there is at least a possibility that he is ready to go and that he is ready to speak to the media at least briefly, to give us an update. And so I'll be bringing you guys that as well. There's also Faku Campazo, Jamichael Green, Zeke Naji, Bull Bull. Lots of guys that it's going to be interesting to hear from them too. So we'll wait and see on that. But first, Michael Malone. I'm going to basically break down what I want to hear from these guys. Just kind of vested interest in the Nuggets, their success, what I think makes the most sense for this team, and then what I expect to hear, what I think is the most likely scenario for what the these conversations are going to look like. Michael Malone. I want to hear that he had a nice break, that he got away from basketball for a little bit, that the last two seasons, they were difficult. Denver had a really difficult time, uh, or at least a really stressful time. The bubble, really stressful time for everybody. J- watching Jamal Murray go down, really stressful time for everybody. 
I'm sure getting swept by the Phoenix Suns four to zero, even though it was kind of expected, if just looking at it from a talent and a fit perspective, based off of the players that were missing, it was probably debilitating to Michael Malone for a while. So I'm curious to see how he's doing. Uh, I want to hear that he's taking the long view on this season. I want to hear resting Nikola Jokic as a possibility. We heard from Jokic last week that he's going to trust his team and the coaching staff and the, the organization on how they want to view those things. That might change. He might say, I want to play and I don't want to lose again after losing two straights and then the next game is just the expected day that he's supposed to be taking off. The team's going to have to be persuasive, if you will. I want to hear that they're not rushing Jamal Murray back, that it's on his timetable, on his schedule, that they are hoping that he recovers. And if he recovers in time for this season, great. But if not, it's okay because he still has many years left of his prime, many years left, hopefully, in a Nuggets uniform. This isn't the only one. I want to hear that they're not going to be overloading Michael Porter Jr. in his stead. Given that the Michael Porter Jr. contract extension hasn't happened yet, on the court, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be extended. There are reasons why off the court, he might not, or like like kind of extenuating circumstances, not off the court like he's bad, uh, but extenuating circumstances with potential injury issues that they probably haven't signed that contract for that reason. I can't say that specifically other than it's at the goal line. It's at the goal line. They're they're waiting to deal with some injury sliders, I, I believe, from what I've been told. I don't want to see them overloading Michael Porter Jr. this season. Uh, if he has this contract in hand at that point, I don't want to see him playing a whole bunch of games where he's 36 minutes a night uh, for a month straight. Denver's winning, but they're winning close, and it's been contested games where everybody's tired. Uh, that's when injuries happen. That's when you you tweak something wrong and it becomes debilitating. You don't want to see that. So I, I hope that they can give him the rest that he deserves as well. I want to see them mix and match the bench. Get the young guys in. Give the older guys, the veterans, the players that are having the most uh, burden uh, a night off every now and then. Some time to mix and match the lineups. Try to make it so that you understand fully how certain lineups are going to look. That if you have to throw Zeke Naji out there in a playoff series, is his best position power forward or center? If you have to throw Bull Bull out there, can he play at all? Can he be the anchor of a defensive unit, or is that unit just going to give up points every time? If you have to throw out Bones Highland, is he best a point guard or shooting guard? I think that's a fair question based off of what we saw at Summer League. He showed more as a passer than I think I expected. Are they just going to keep him off ball so he doesn't have to make those decisions? Or might it be best to put the ball in his hands? give somebody with dynamism a little bit of an opportunity? I think that's a fair question, but you don't get the answers to those questions if you don't test them out. So I want to see what happens when you mix and match. 
I want to hear from Michael Malone that championship is the goal, but the standings aren't as important this year. That it's not as important to get home court. That Denver, wherever they place, feels like they have the talent to be a a championship contender. That they'd like to be higher, but if it's not there, then so be it. I want to hear from him that, that he wants Aaron Gordon to blossom into an elite defender in the Draymond Green mold, in the Andre Iguodala mold. Somebody who can be a complimentary star that doesn't need to score in order to be super impactful. If Aaron Gordon turns into that level of player, then it changes the trajectory of this Denver team and what to expect from them in the playoffs. That would be big. Do I think that's going to happen? No, but I want that to be the goal. I want it to be known that Gordon is going to have that responsibility, that he's somebody that they can rely upon to be the anchor in those situations, that when Jokic plays up in the pick and roll, that Aaron Gordon's always going to be that that guy to rotate over. We'll see. But here's what I'm expecting to hear. I'm expecting to hear from Michael Malone that it wasn't the nice break, that the offseason was too long, that he's already rearing and ready to go, that he has these these changes he wants to implement, that he wants to get back into the swing of things. I'm expecting to hear that Denver's eternal goal is to put together a top 10 offense and top 10 defense. They've said that before. They've never actually done it, I don't believe, except for maybe 2018-19. I think 2018-19 they actually did it, but it was like 7-10. and 10. So I want to hear him... I, well, not I'm I'm expecting to hear him try to say that he wants the defense to be top ten. Basically, I expect him to say that the Nuggets are taking the long view on Murray, but they're still going to heavily rely upon Jokic. That he's he's going to be an MVP, like he's an MVP candidate, and they're going to rely on him to be their best player all the time. If rest presents itself, maybe they'll give him some time, but probably not. I'm expecting him to say that Porter will be asked to step up, that he will be tasked with being that second option. Whether that happens or not, or whether he uh, whether he actually says it in those terms or not remains to be seen, but if he says we are expecting big things from Michael Porter Jr., I think you can put two and two together in that case. I'm expecting him to say that the best players will play. It does, if it doesn't include the young guys, then so be it. But the best players, the guys that are geared best towards helping the team win now, are going to be the players that are on the court, and the, the young guys will have to earn that time. And I'm expecting him to say that the championship is still the goal, as is home court advantage. Michael Malone is wired to care for the regular season. He said at one point that he wants the players to game plan for a 100-game season, 110. That's all well and good. But on a Tuesday against Charlotte or against New Orleans, Michael Malone is going to be very fiery. He's going to want to instill habits. He's going to be hoping that his team takes everything seriously and plays with the urgency that they need to be a top three seed. And he will light into them, I think, if he sees that they have the talent to do that, and they don't. 
he's going to want to squeeze every bit of talent out of the team that he can. That's my guess. Now let's move to Tim Connolly, and we'll move a little bit quicker through these guys now. What I want to hear from Tim, I want to hear that Jamal Murray is progressing well, that he's doing well in rehab, that he's meeting all the benchmarks, that he's doing everything possible to get back on the court. and They're having to slow him down because he's just so amped up trying to get back on the court. That's what I want him to say. I want him to say that the goal has and always will be a championship from now on. That this is a team that they believe in, that as long as this group together, the goal is championship. Those are high expectations to set for yourself, but also it's a good barometer to hold yourself to. I want him to say that the Michael Porter Jr. extension talks are going well, and that they are close to an agreement. I want him to be comfortable enough to say that. What I'm expecting to hear is that Murray is progressing well, but they're not going to really set any expectations on him this season. Not until he's fully recovered, and maybe we'll get something later. I'm expecting to hear that Michael Porter Jr. extension talks are going well, and that we don't... We're not going to hear much more than that, despite the fact that the deadline on those talks is now 20 days from now, or it will be 20 days from, uh, I, might, I might have my math off on that, but pretty sure it's 20 days. I want to hear from him, or I'm expecting to hear from him, that the Aaron Gordon extension was a major priority, that after Jeremy Grant left, he won't say this, but after Jeremy Grant left, They knew they wanted to lock in that key piece that goes next to the star scorers, that goes next to the big offensive playmakers. Jokic, Murray, Porter, we saw what they could do in in a regular season context by just being great offensively. You kind of need to mix and match unless you have that fourth guy who can connect everything together, and that's who they believe that Aaron Gordon is. move to Jamal Murray, who I think that we're going to hear from, but I mean, no promises, of course, but I do think that we will. Uh, what I want to hear from him, that he's doing well mentally during this process, because so much of the the rehab process, despite it being physical, it's a lot about the mental. It's a lot about the grind. And I trust Jamal Murray mentally to be able to make that leap and to be able to continue to stay the course because he's a madman when it comes to mental games, when it comes to staying engaged. I want to hear from him that he's hitting all the rehab checkpoints. He's currently five months out from the surgery. Uh, He's probably in the process of doing straight line jogging and some overall strengthening exercises of the knee. In the next month, he's likely to start drills that'll replicate some basketball movements, be at that six-month mark. Probably starting to do some more more serious on-court work after about eight months kind of in that late December mold. And then potentially after the new year, maybe late January, maybe early February, start doing some five-on-five. That's about nine months out. If he's doing five-on-five work or four-on-four or even three-on-three, then you're starting to really get into some game scenarios and you're starting to hear that he's doing really well. And I'd want to hear that he's targeting a return date after the All-Star break. Kind of in that late February range, early March range, somewhere around there. Be about 10 months out from the surgery, maybe just a little bit longer, 
and that's what he's shooting for. Now, I'm not expecting to hear all of that. Here's what I am expecting to hear, that things are progressing well, but don't want to share a ton of details because these guys want their privacy. They don't want to be beholden to a timeline that they said back in late September when things might not progress just as linear in the season, like during the process. Maybe something happens in October where uh, he sprains an, or he, he trips or something and okay, he needs to be off the knee for like a week. I don't know, but I do think that I am expecting to hear that he's on track to play by the end of the 2021-2022 season. That's what I expect to hear, maybe from him, maybe from somebody else, but they probably won't put a firm timeline on it, but just sometime in the season. And I'm expecting to hear that he's chomping at the bit already, that he knows that this team is a championship contender, that he believes that they can do this but he wants to be back there and helping when he does. Faku Campazzo. I want to hear from him that he's ready to adjust to the NBA play after his first season. One of the things that really stands out about Faku, he very much has a EuroLeague game. He was a EuroLeague MVP, doing some great things over in the EuroLeague. The transition to the athleticism, to the mentality, to the play style of the NBA is just very stark. And I think that Faku, despite the fact that he figured some stuff out in February, March, and April, uh, he had to adjust, at least for a little bit. He wasn't a good point guard until about February. He showed some flashes, don't get me wrong, but he started getting really consistent in February and did some good things to the point where the Nuggets felt good enough starting him in the playoffs. I want to hear from him that he's working on shooting off the dribble that that's kind of the main skill that you need in the NBA today in order to be an off-the-dribble guard. Being able to pull up from anywhere, whether it's three-point range, whether it's mid-range, whether it's floaters, uh, Faku at 5'9", and he really is 5'9". You don't want him going into the lane a ton and just getting clobbered by a defender, because he will. It's, it's impossible for defenders to try to contest shots and not bump into the offensive player, at least a little bit. And Faku, he's like 170 pounds, 180. He's a small guy. And you don't want him to be going in there all the time and taking the brunt of that damage. You want him to be able to pull up from the mid-range, shoot a little floater, be accurate with those things. Because if he is, he's going to stick around at the NBA for a long time. He's in great shape. Despite the fact that he's short, he plays with such ferocity and tenacity on the defensive end. He's a very smart defender, knows when to gamble, knows how to play the passing lanes really well. There are some things that he's not going to be able to control, but he can do those things and he can progress. I want to hear from him that he's a championship, that this is a championship caliber team that he wants to win a championship in the NBA. That's what I want to hear from him. A little bit of a different tone, perhaps, than when he was just coming over and trying to figure out whether he could play. I want to hear that he knows. What I'm expecting to hear is that he's just going to continue to do whatever coach wants him to do and to play as hard as he can. can. I expect him to reiterate some of those things as well up in the want-to section. Jamichael Green. 
I want to hear that he's back in Denver, that he signed a new contract because Denver was the right place for him, and that he has unfinished business here, that he wants to win a championship just as much as these other guys, that this is his mentality, that he wants to be able to go up against some of the best players in the NBA and do it. I want to hear from him that he wants to be the backup five, that he wants to space out defenses, but also prove that he's big enough, strong enough, tall enough, and a good enough player to be able to handle playing down a position. And I'm basically expecting to hear all of that from him. Like, Jamichael Green, you know what you're going to get. Zeke Naji, I'm expecting to hear from him, or wanting to hear from him, that he wants to win a title too. That it's not just about the older guys when it comes to winning a title. Younger guys sometimes say it, and sometimes they mean it. Maybe they do really mean it, but for Zeke to get on the court, he has to have that hunger, that tenacity, that physicality that really comes with just the want to of being a great team. There are certain things that you learn as a veteran. There are certain things that you learn just when you get into the league. I think that Zeke is in the process of learning those things. He had a bad summer league. Perhaps he comes back with a little bit of ferocity, a little bit of just energy, trying to muck it up a little bit in the training camp. Say, hey, I want to win the backup center job. I want him to hear him say that. I want to win the backup center job. But he's also willing to do whatever the coaches ask for him. I want to hear that he's bulked up a little bit, that he wants to play center. That he wants to be able to stay athletic as much as possible, but be able to bang with guys. Just know that he can do it. That he can be a physical presence for this team. Because if there's one thing, if there's one major weakness for Zeke, it's the fact that he wasn't physical enough to be a solid rebounder, to be a solid defender. He was a a good individual defender, kind of sliding his feet a little bit, doing some stuff, uh, just mirroring on the perimeter. He has quick feet, agile feet to be able to do that, played very smartly. But in order to be an actual good defender, he has to play more physical. So I'm hoping to see that from him. What I'm expecting to hear is much of the above, but emphasis on whatever the team needs for him to do. He's a very role-player-oriented guy, understands what he wants to do with this league, and I expect for him to kind of emulate what Jamichael Green generally says, what Jeff Green generally says, that he just wants to do whatever this team needs for him to win, and that he'll do what the coaches ask of him. And then last from Bulbul, I just want to hear from him. It's been a long time since we've been able to talk to Bulbul, like for real. He He's on his last legs with the Nuggets, and... They want him. They they have held on to him. They want to know if they're missing on anything with him. If he's going to continue to put in the work and put that talent to use. That there are just certain things that he can do as a player that other players will never be able to do. And that if he puts in the work in the weight room, on the defensive end, with his mentality, with his motor, that he can do a lot of different things that, like, like I said, nobody else can So I want to hear from him in that regard. I want to hear that he put in the off-season work 
with the player development staff of the Nuggets. Not just a skills coach, not just somebody who's working on his dribble moves, working on his step backs, working on the, the post footwork. I want to hear the, like, the player development coach got with him. Stephen Graham, guys like that. I want to hear that they got with him and helped work on that motor a bit. I want to hear that he wants to win the backup center job. I want to hear those expectations from him. Not just that, oh, I'd like to play. Not just that, oh, I'll do whatever the coaches ask of me. I want to hear him say that he wants to compete for a specific position. And the most open job right now is backup center. The Nuggets are doing that by committee. They might be able to fit in Jamichael Green, Jeff Green, and Bull Bull in the front line on the back court or in the front court. They might be able to fit all of those guys because Bull Bull is such a unique player, but he needs to play hard. If he doesn't, it's not going to mean anything. The Nuggets need to be able to trust him, and that trust is earned through the work. It's earned through the film. It's earned through the team dinners and how you operate, how you treat your teammates, how you treat your coaches, how you treat your opportunity. If he makes the most of it, I think he can play. I really do. I do believe that. But it's got to happen in the brain. It's got to happen in between the years. So we'll see. As for training camp, training camp is going to start on Tuesday after Monday uh, when these guys, you'll, you'll listen to this one on Monday, hopefully. And if you do, then the Nuggets will be in the process and a likelihood of flying to San Diego. They're going to travel there. They're going to have a team dinner. And then in the morning on Tuesday, they will have their first practice as a team. They've already met together a little bit, but now is the time for them to get ready to go. Speak up in the team dinner. Make sure the everything is heard. All of the expectations are out of the way. And people know what to expect. Then the real work begins. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure to use promo code MHS when you sign up for DraftKings. Uh, I will be back on Wednesday in all likelihood. Don't think I expect to hear or say anything after what this media day kind of comes out with, but if anything major happens, then I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. We will just have to play that by ear. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support. We'll talk to you guys very soon.